0: Hello and welcome to, we're watching what, or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and my guest today is Lindsay Oliveres. Lindsay was the production designer and lead character designer on The Mitchells vs. The Machines, which is an animated film that actually is up for an Oscar this year. She's a caricature artist. She's worked on projects like Madagascar 3, The Penguins of Madagascar, and Trolls. And she actually also recently worked on the animated episode of The After Party on Apple TV+. So without further ado, here's we're interviewing who? Cool. So Mitchells and the Machines. Almost seven years since you started on the project. You still have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's been it's been a
1: ride. Yeah, I started in twenty fifteen, which is so long ago now. But it's been fun, you know, it's funny, it's been a it's been a long time, but my job has been so fun and that it's so many things and it's so global that it's been different on each step of the way like it's very different in the early days it's very different on each stage of production and it's been nice I think with with we had a delayed release because of obviously everything happening in the world and so yeah so we're we're, it's been a little while since we finished it but it's super exciting to have it you know on Netflix so many eyes can you know, families can be singing in their homes and then yeah, it's just nice to be able to talk about it a little bit further. So thank you yeah, so much.
0: And you know, a little a little bit of recognition for it with the yeah. something called an Oscar nominee. I don't Oscar know. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's wild. I don't even know him. Um <laughs> so, so my, one of my questions to you is because you were like a super OG on the project, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you think changed the most from the I know the story went under changes, but for your role, yeah. what do you think changed the most from the early days to the version we see on screen?
1: As far as the movie goes, you know it's interesting because it both has and hasn't like the heart of it has always kind of stayed true like the tone has kind of persisted and gotten to be more of itself and more uh just better you know but um so many little things have changed along the way for sure you know there's different ideas, side characters, gags, there's so much that has really changed. But I think Mike was really, you know, Mike Rand, our director, was really good at both being kind of laser focused on what was important and both being super open to like, what about this idea? You know, what's the best thing for the movie? And so I think it had a nice like laser focus, but then that room to like play and get your feet wet and, you know, play in the sandbox and stuff. And so, and then I guess from, you know, from my side, I think it's been kind of honing in on it. Like a lot of our earliest conversations have stayed very true. Like I first got an email from Mike when he first was, first was hired at Sony and was pitching and he wanted, he, he saw my work and he thought that, Uh, my kind of sensibility and art style would be a good fit. And it was specifically because he said it was like specific and observed. Mm. And those are two kind of elements that have been kind of fundamental through all of our kind of design choices. So a lot of that is a kind of core of how can we make our humans feel as human as possible? And how can we play with the medium of animation? And we both kind of like 2D sensibility, how much of that can we maintain in a 3D space, all of that's kind of been true. And we've just been kind of honing, how do we apply that in every scenario, whether it's the characters, whether it's lighting. And so that, that, that then just plays out in all these different ways, you know, and we we've explored within it. We've explored, I think in the beginning, just design style, a lot of those, yeah, those core principles have been there, but kind of finding what specifically that means, what specifically the design language is to create a world that is illustrative and kind of hand drawn and all of those things but within it how does it have enough realism that like the comedy plays or that it feels like a real world where there is real stakes and stuff so there's all those things that I think the the specific execution of that is, you know there's things that kind of e- evolve a little bit but we've kind of honed in and we've always kind of kept true to these like how can we have really real human relatable characters and how can we be really
0: specific and observed about all of our choices I, I want to come back to the realism in a moment yeah. but was there a particular catalytic moment when you realized that you had the design language you're like okay we found the balance or was it just more of an over time you're like yeah this one works okay this one works all right it's starting to come together <laughs> yeah it kind of evolved like there's an initial thing where where you know mike
1: reached out and he's like oh I, I like the look of your stuff i'd like my movie to look like that so there's one thing of like okay there's a bit of that but it's like well what does that mean exactly in this story so you keep kind of honing it in and then there's a point where you have a painting and you say yes this is what we want it to look mm-hmm. like but it's a painting so then there's like it's just kind of those stages where you're like what does that mean in 3d and we're saying yes we want it to look as much like a drawing as possible but we know we have moving cameras there's things like depth of field what does that mean on a character Yeah, in a close-up or when a camera moves so i think it's it's really not until you're like finally a shot that you really have the this is what it is and you know, and there's no ambiguity about it, but I was super lucky that, you know, I was super excited in this role. It was my first time production designing and animation or in general. And I was super excited about it. And it was really great that, that whether it was the Sony animation leadership, Mike and Jeff, our directors, or Chris Miller and Phil Lord, that in those times that we're saying we want it to look like that. And there's a little bit of a gap between, well, what, you know, the thing you see on Netflix, like, what is that? There was a lot of trust that, in that space so I think it was a really lucky you know dynamic that there was kind of that that trust there with uh, you know some key people and yeah then we find it we've had our collaborators at Sony Imageworks and you find what is yeah what is the look like in all these contexts and it keeps evolving too because you might solidify the look within the family kitchen but then you know that like where are we gonna go the third act and what does our what does our look like in really extreme graphic lighting scenarios? You're so always kind of like you know, trying to hold core, tight to your kind of core principles, but there's all these different applications of it. So you're always kind of exploring and what's right for the, you know, within this look for the story moment in the in the movie.
0: Mm. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. So there's there's a moment of realism that I was re-watching again. I was like, oh. The Furbies, for example, yeah. are really realistic, or at least they're, you know, a 3D rendered of what I remember a Furby yeah, looks yeah, yeah. like, right? And so, you know, how do you approach the balance of like, okay, these things need to resemble what we are used to in the real world, and these are the things that we can really exaggerate in terms of design elements? Or is it like a shot-by-shot shot story basis?
1: I don't know if it's shot-by-shot. Shot. I think, I think you know, it, it all kind of weaves into the, to the, to like the big plan in a way, where I was mentioning before, yeah, like things... Pl- it's a comedy, you know? Right. So you have to serve and you're always designing for the story, always serving that. And part of the look was how does it also serve this comedic tone and story and things like that Furby. We didn't try a version that was stylized, but it was just like, this is just going to be funnier. If it's the Furby, Mm. you know, exactly like that's going to be funnier. And there was outside of the Furby example, There was examples of that in other parts of the movie, like in the introduction to the movie, Katie's kind of editing this screaming given monkey on top of her dad screaming. And that's just a photo of it. And there's a moment where they point to, like, the perfect family that's in the stock photo. and And that's a photo. And that would happen in storyboards that they would test it. And sometimes we would test out, okay, here's what a version of us painting a family in this style. And the comedy would kind of play, for whatever reason, a little bit better on these kind of, I think, I don't know if it's like the the jarring quality of it, but that kind of photographic thing was a little more funny. Mm. And so there were a few things like that that we realized, could these play a little funnier as a photo? And then I think in my role as a production designer, you don't want things to feel arbitrary. So it's like, how do you weave that into the fabric of it, right? So... A lot of the movie is like Katie's point of view. She's this filmmaker. She's also a filmmaker who's young in the modern era where you can make things on your phone. You can grab a sticker, a GIF, different fonts. And there's a collage-like feel when you're making things in that way. And it felt like her film style would have elements of collage, have elements of real photos. Real photos that are like stock photos that we would even fake Like we had permissions but we would fake our own watermarks on them so they look like a kid who's just grabbing a screenshot of a photo and it's got the watermark from the stock site so that collage feel made it feel funny and made it feel like our character so i think globally there's like a film style of katie's that has live action elements renders from the the 3d style 2d things and so i think that kind of works too like that's the thing we kind of establish in the movie and then the furby it's not from Katie's, Katie's point of view, but it just feels like it's funnier in that realism. So we, yeah, I, we, I had my own actual Furby that I <laughs> grew up with that I found at my, you know, I was in, visiting my. You know, my, my parents' house and I found the Furby and I was like, oh, cool. And I brought it with me to the office because I knew we were going to have this or hope to have this Furby. But yeah, that's we we just turned over the Furby to the 3D team and it would migrate around from like the modeling team and they would reference it. It would work its way through, you know, CFX, the animation. It was just a little real Furby that we imitated as closely as possible. And the only real styling integration we did was there's more simplicity the fur to get a little bit of the some of the simplification stuff we do and things like fur and grass and stuff but for the most part it was like how do we how do we make it as funny as possible by having it be just a straight furby
0: yeah, I I spoke to Mike last year when the film came yeah. out, and he told me this like wild, excessive story about like needing a stock photo, and I think hunting like hiring a private investigator to yeah. make sure that that yeah. So yes, <laughs> but it pays off because moments like that work. Yeah, you know I I think one of the things you mentioned is it's lived in right, like the world they live is lived in. You want to make sure that it's busy and populated and stuff like that. But how do you make sure that it's uh, still readable, right? Because I feel like there might be a temptation mm. to. Be like, all right, let's be like Katie and just throw things at it, <laughs> you know, yeah yeah, image bomb it,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know i ideally, it's organized chaos and story told chaos, like it shouldn't be messy, just to be messy or chaotic, just to be chaotic, and you know that's something we talked about with the art team where I remember talking to the designers and talking about how yeah, like lived in, like lived in does bring complexity, you know, like it's moving boxes or piles or you've been eating and stuff, but it doesn't mean that, yeah, it doesn't (laughs) mean that things are dense. So it was like, sometimes it's okay to have like the right prop, but not more of them. Mm. You know, it's like, how is the pillow hanging out of the pillowcase? Or is there a really specific character prop here? And then there's an empty wall or something. So I think it's, it's more about getting those specific character details or just sometimes it's even sometimes a space can feel really specific you know and i don't know if this is our movie so much but it could be like an empty space and there's like a phone charger plugged into like an extension cord and like maybe one thing or like a leftover pizza box like maybe that tells a certain story and it doesn't need to be dense it just needs to be very character driven and observed and so yeah so we we kind of knew we didn't have to like pack it completely i think for our family they did have more stuff i think for katie's character it felt right that there's a lot going on but we also knew that we didn't have it didn't it wasn't about quantity it was more about the thought process behind it
0: uh, speaking of said thought process, I was listening to an interview with, you know, done. Um, yeah. um, and in terms of research, um, I think, think you said you know you like going to things like Craigslist because yes. you know not everyone has the latest crate and Barrel West Elm, yes. whatever IKEA out of the box thing, and Craigslist is a great resource. So, what do you think the most absurd thing you found during your research? this movie was that that made it into the film.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, the, the Craigslist thing, it's like, I, I I think I have these early memories of a kid, either whether it's a, being a kid watching movies or looking at catalogs and, like, the rooms have, like, Lion King. I remember I had Lion King bedsheets, but I just had, like, the sheets. And then in the catalog, they have, like, the the whole set, you know, and yeah, the curtains yeah. and the rug and whatever. And I was always like, how do, do people live like this? You know, and I think now I, I still have that feeling, of, you know, as an adult And it's like, yeah, no one, no one lives like this. You have, you have all these layers of storytelling. So yeah, we definitely use Craigslist. We use our own lives. um, And we, we try to get into the heads of the characters. So we would shop where they might shop, or we might try to make something. Like if Rick might make something instead of buying it, or where would Linda buy things? You know, I used to take a lot of, I remember going shopping with my mom. I was visiting her and the stores we went to together, I remember taking photos of like the signage and stuff. You know, there's some really great, one of our designers had these really great kind of like frog lawn decor that was really great uh, these specific linda details i don't know that anything is particularly abs- you know absurd i can't think of like a funny specific I thing mean, like a frog lawn but, thing sounds very yeah. I mean,
0: maybe it wasn't from craigslist but that's a very specific
1: you know stuff yeah stuff like that you know here, here's one that i don't think it was craigslist but in the mind it might be in one of mike's memories but like there's kitchen like there's like a chef pig (laughs) that's in the kitchen like those little like sculptures that yeah my aunt had one that wasn't a pig but like a little chef that's holding a little menu or they might be like a wine holder but they're a little character so we found yeah some of those or there's like a little cow in the uh, kitchen that says like count your blessing you know <laughs> and it's just something. that just felt like can, th- can this be something that's evocative that someone might be reminded of? you know maybe it's one of their family or some some space that they've been in or maybe they haven't but we always felt like if we were more specific even if it wasn't exactly specific to you by being specific it starts to resonate broadly and so we can't really believed in that so we would yeah look really specifically
0: yeah I just had like a, a flash moment of those as you were describing those things like we had at a company I was at we did you know those white elephant gift swaps and there was a legendary chef that nobody wanted yeah. that made its way in every year and it's like oh it's like the wine bottle holding chef that was horrifying <laughs> and, and Like, that's, but it's so evocative of a specific yeah style. so I totally get yeah yeah this is switching gears a little bit, but yeah. in the ranking of descriptors that you would assign to yourself, where mm. do you put caricaturist? Because I put oh. that word just a lot with you. Um. Yeah, I, I put it. I put it high up. Okay. Um, I, I,
1: I, yeah, and I, I kind of like it because it's. I think it's really broad, and I like it because I, I love caricature, and I feel like I'm. I'm a big. I don't know if defender sounds right, but I feel like people put caricature in a certain box, and limit what it is. And so I like to speak about it a lot because I love caricature and I love literal caricature, just like literal caricatures of people. And I've done live caricature and all of that. Um, But I really think about it in my process um, because I feel like with, if I go to caricature as a concept and stuff, I feel like it's not just exaggeration. It's not like giving someone a big nose. It's kind of like looking at something person or thing or whatever. And you kind of, have an interpretation of that and you make all your edits your you exact emphasize we'll say and maybe edit based on that thing and ultimately if you do it right it can feel more like a person or a place than the actual thing like than a photo will because a photo can kind of distill it and it won't bring forward like the life and the story and the this and that and when we're doing animation you're always kind of like you know manipulating sounds bad but manipulating the audience to feel a certain way to, you know, maybe it's relating to your characters, to feel sad when they feel sad, to feel, yeah, you kind of have a point of view of your main characters. There's kind of a creative need to take your audience on a specific ride. And so you want to be, you don't want to just be getting that photo equivalent of a set. You want to have that kind of caricatured version. Like, how do you caricature what we want to say about the human world, what we want to say about Katie, or what you want to, the audience to think about them? And so I like when you can have... Yeah, When you, I think about it a lot in caricature. How yeah, how can we caricature something so it feels more of like what it is? You know, how can we make this home feel like more homey or more like them? What, what do you emphasize whether it's in the set dressing or the lighting what do you kind of call out like maybe they might there's some things that they could have but maybe it would feel too much like the conceptual world of tech and the robots and so you edit in similar ways so I always have that framework and I think I, about that in the lighting like we would kind of caricature the mood by leaning into certain colors and it's with everything yeah, it's lighting set set dressing and so when I, where I'm when I'm like talking about it, I find myself talking about caricature a lot because I always think about that. So I find I feel like in production design and character design, which I both do, I, I think of them in a in a yeah in a framework of. Yeah, of caricature. It's like a way of seeing things and a way of storytelling.
0: Yeah, I I would imagine it's also having to sort of capture the essence of something and make it so recognizable that even through maybe mildly exaggerated things, you're still like, no, that's it. Like that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. clarity becomes really important. And I think especially in a comedy, comedies feel so sensitive to so many things, whether it's the edit, the music, delivery of things. And there's a lot in design that you have to kind of, yeah, be clear about things or play things to that so that all the comedy plays and yet yeah, clarity becomes a thing and you want to be really clear to the audience of yeah, who these people are, where they are and all of that stuff.
0: If the internet and Wi-Fi, et cetera, and technology ceased to be, and we had a robo apocalypse, et cetera, what would you like to do with your time?
1: Ooh, uh, <laughs> maybe draw caricatures.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's
1: the first thing that comes to mind. Um, That or, you know, if I think about the movie, I think it's true. It's like... When those things go away, and it's very like timely too, with the world we've been in the last, you know, in like the kind of pandemic era that we finished the movie, and you, you kind of slow down, and you spend like time on a Zoom call with your family and friends and stuff. So, I think there's an element of that, or when when things get simple, or when life feels crazy, it's like, yeah, what do you love to do at the end of the day? And I think it's just kind of drawing freely. So I feel like there'd be a bit of that, and okay. I think with and being with yeah family and friends and the the
0: you know your loved ones, growing up. Who's your favorite fictional character? Oh, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, books, movies, comic books, which are technically books.
1: <laughs> I, um, I don't know, why I can't think of anything. Um, I watched a lot of TV growing up, so there's got to be some character in that space. I don't know. I I also, you know, as as a kid, I grew up in the kind of Disney animation golden era and I, you know, I I don't know who I was like identifying with, but I, I, you know, I remember pretending to be like little mermaid in the, (laughs) in the tub and stuff like that. Like, you know, I think early animation stuff definitely kind of started me on this trajectory, but I'm not, I'm trying to think, you know, I loved animals and stuff. I'm, I'm not sure like if I had like an aspirational character as a kid but yeah you know loved tv animation stories okay yeah 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 sorry i'm like I'm tonight i'll be like oh duh this is who this is who it was it's um, totally um, fair. And and, uh,
0: <laughs> well okay do you remember what the first film you saw in theaters was that you were the reason for going to see not necessarily like oh. family dragged you along but you're like oh i want to see this movie you know it must have been one of the disney movies as
1: a kid it was probably like the lion king or something i remember being very into that i was very into animals and i do parrots all the time and anything that was kind of animal i, I do remember being like really into the, the yeah the idea of the lion king and stuff and dying to go to the disney store to get like a stuffed pumbaa but um yeah i think yeah that that kind of uh i'll say that like, okay
0: yeah uh, yeah Classic bird performance. I would yeah, say also yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, wonderful yeah, pair of performance. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Birds were really <laughs> a good a in, that, in those 90s. Yeah, I, I, was, I was loving
1: it. That's, that's how I got my start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, the title of this podcast is We're Watching What? So, are you watching anything right now that you are enjoying?
1: Ooh, I'm catching up on a lot of stuff right now. I've been catching up, yeah, on TV. I'm in the middle of WandaVision. I was just watching oh, The White. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, I might. I was just watching The White. I, I don't know. I love things with character in them. Um, I'm not watching it right now, but I might give a shout out to a show that I I, I love that I don't know that tons of people have watched, but um, I love uh, Kidding. Have you seen that?
0: I have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um, oh, you know, you know what's a good one? This is one that I, I need to to finish the updated. I love How To With John Wilson. I, I
0: started watching it and I don't know why, it just made me very cringe uncomfortable and I had to like <laughs> take a break. From-
1: really, that, yeah, there are some things that do that, but I, 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 I lo- love how like unique it is and, yes, and how really. smart it is and how smart the edit is. That, that's one that, yeah, that's a good one that I've recently enjoyed. Um, and I'm always so bad at retrieving things. There's so much good stuff on TV. I will say one of the oh, things I've been
0: watching is the after party, which I know oh, you yes. had a hand in, which that. I assume is a byproduct of Mitchell's synergy. That's a that's a synergy. good exa- synergy. <laughs> that's a good example of me to you to plug it, but I can plug it for you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you for bringing that up. Because
1: I I yeah, yeah. You know, obviously worked with Chris Miller and Phil Lord on the Mitchells. And so while we were finishing up, Chris reached out about helping out on that. Um, which i've thoroughly enjoyed i've been able to enjoy it as just like kind of a fan right now because i helped out in the kind of early um concept for the animated episode that's going to be releasing very soon and so i did character designs for that which was fun because it was kind of caricaturing the actors that are in it and it's kind of a fun design assignment because you're not inventing characters from scratch but right. you're you're interpreting them through a point of view of a character which the show is so much about and yeah and they're they're brilliant so was really fun to to work on another uh, another project with them.
0: Yeah, I, I've actually seen the animated episode and when, yeah. when I you had put two and two together that it was your design work. I was like, ah, that tracks. Uh, cool, cool. <laughs> so it was it's great. It's super fun. This is a, a broader, maybe heavier but not question. Um, how do you define personal success now and how has that definition changed from maybe when you were younger?
1: Oh man, you got a lot of good questions. <laughs> I'll just start talking. I'm not sure you know I think when I was younger it might have been a little more literal maybe or like Mm -hmm. I want to do this thing like I want this job title at this company or something like that and I feel like now I feel very fortunate like I I did want to you know I feel, feel like once I understood more about the different roles where like as a kid I wanted to like be an animator at Disney and then I got a little older and understood more and I was like oh I actually like art for animation more than actually animating i'm a little less of an actor and more in this design space and then there's a point that i was like oh yeah i'd like to production design someday maybe right and then yeah and then i ended up production designing and i think i i think i had that extra drive for it when i had you know connected with this project and then that was kind of a goal of mine and i ended up becoming you know reaching that and so i think some of those goals have been a little bit more like, yes, I want to production design a movie or character design for a feature film or something. Um, and I, I think now it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm super fortunate to have, yeah. Production design, character design for a movie that I, you know, that I truly love and I'm really happy about it. Um, and I don't know, maybe it evolves where I feel like now when I'm thinking about things, I'm thinking about things that are a little bit more like, I don't know what what, what's some conceptual thing you can bring to the world or or these kind of dynamics with your team and there's some stuff too that starts to get a little bit more personal or starts to kind of explore into like why we make this stuff and what we're doing and trying to kind of also balance just your kind of inner gut artist too yeah and so success now i think i think it, it it looks less like these really amazing... And I'm super excited about the success that Mitchells has had. It's been amazing to be, you know, honored and nominated for all these amazing things and Oscar nominated. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, But yeah, I think it's also fun to chase these kind of, you know, it's such a subjective thing, you know, what we make. And so it's like, yeah, I kind of want to... yeah, chase the what? What is the kind of fun? Yeah, I don't know the fun spaces. I think it's also successful to be like to be happy and stuff. So I think it's a mix, you know, where it's like, how do you live your life really fully so that you have stuff worth saying? And I think it's it's a little bit more. I don't know. It's a little bit more kind of open, and I'm kind of excited too to have some time after Mitchell's kind of yeah reconnect with different things, different aspects of myself and art making and life so that you kind of have fresh takes of what you want to share. Cause it's super fun. Like I think, and especially in whether it's TV or film, you you get this outlet that you can share with a lot of people. You have a lot of range. And so I think it's, it's more about that. It's more about like, I think success, looks like having reaching across the, the, these screens and having some connection with the person. So whatever scale that is, I mean, whatever thing, but yeah, how, how can you kind of, you know, connect with, uh, your audience or with other people with art. And I think that you hopefully can do that with your team behind the screen and then break through the screen and connect with people, you know, that are watching.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good definition. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Good luck at the Annies and the Oscars, obviously. But like as an individual, good luck at the Annies. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. A huge thank you to Lindsay for joining. The Mitchells vs. Machines is out streaming now on Netflix. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.